G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 51 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Conrad Egusa from Publicize.co, a Colombian-based startup helping tech startups and companies get PR on uh, large websites like TechCrunch, The Next Web, uh, those kind of sites, VentureBeat. Uh, Conrad is also uh, used to be a writer at VentureBeat. This episode is all about PR. If you don't know what PR is, it's called public relations. It's an acronym for public relations, and it could also be an acronym for press release, which is usually how you promote your business in the press. It's essentially free advertising. Well, kind of free. It's not paying for advertising. It's publishing something newsworthy about your organization in the media and getting some publicity through, uh, through stories rather than through advertising. Uh, Conrad, uh, we had some technical problems in this episode. I do apologize. The last kind of five or 10 minutes, there's no video. Um, I'm not sure what will be there. Probably a screenshot of something interesting, hopefully. Um, but I'll leave that up to Chris, our editor. And um, so we did have some technical problems, but there's lots of juicy stuff in this interview. And he basically pulls apart the whole PR model and deconstructs it and tells us how it works. And there is so much stuff in here about making sure that your stuff is newsworthy, uh, making sure that your milestones are getting publicity, the SEO benefits of publicity, um, writing press releases, making them exclusive, making the story as large as possible, social proof, there's tons of stuff in here. We're also, and Conrad is also giving away a one month publicized pro, well actually it's a publicized service plan, which basically is it's valued at $399 for the month. And basically what it means is that they'll work with you to write a press release and submit it to all of the big tech startup websites. So if you wanna get some traction and you wanna get some PR, then that is a fantastic prize. Stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the first, the original, the best, the only way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. This plugin places over 60 video tutorials in the back end of your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use Yoast SEO, and how to use WooCommerce if they're installed. Of course, you can turn on or off any of the videos. You can add your own videos. You can add your own custom branding. And you can do this really cool thing where you you set up the plugin the way you like it, and then you save that as your master profile. And the next time you install it on a client site, you just tick use master profile, and the whole thing is set up in a matter of seconds. Uh, yes, it is our plugin. It's a premium plugin. You can get your hands on it for $1 for the first month. Try it out on some client sites and see it in action. It will save you hours and uh, a lot of frustration teaching clients how to use WordPress, which means you can make your projects more profitable. Check it out at wpelevation.com slash VUM, where you can see a video of, of it in action. All right, uh, the elevation tip of the week this week is to write a press release and start thinking about how you can create some news in your business, create some PR, look into your business and think how you can create something newsworthy out of what's happening in your business. Conrad's got some really good ideas, by the way, in this interview as to how you can go about doing that. Conrad Agusa is from Publicize.co, a Colombian-based startup. I think he's probably the only... Uh, startup that actually has a right to have the .co uh, domain extension. 
Uh, of course, .co became popular when .coms ran out, and .co is actually for Columbia, and he is based in Columbia. So he is called Publicize.co, and they are a PR company. They help tech startups get PR on websites such as TechCrunch and VentureBeat and The Next Web. Uh, and he's got tons of really great stuff to teach us in this episode about PR. He was a writer at VentureBeat, so he understands the model very well. And it, now he's put together a service to help other companies get PR. And there is tons of stuff. He basically deconstructs the whole PR model and teaches us how it works. I made a full page of notes here, uh, which I'm going to put in the show notes. Of course, all the show notes are at wpelevation.com slash Conrad Egusa. That's C-O-N-R-A-D. E-G-U-S-A, C-O-N-R-A-D-E-G-U-S-A, all one word, all lowercase, no spaces, hyphens, or other weird hieroglyphics. All right, um, hey, without further ado, let's go and meet Conrad Igusa. Oh, by the way, we, he, Conrad is giving away a $399 um, PR package for a month. So if you think you've got something interesting and you want to get some traction, check out this episode and learn how you can enter that competition and you might pick up a PR package from Publicize. Now let's go and meet Conrad Igusa. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Colombia in South America, Conrad Igusa. Hey Conrad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Now, what time of the day is it in Colombia right now? It's uh, almost 7.15 at night. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you're still working in the, in the co-working space there, I see, man. You're, still, you're putting in some hours, mm-hmm. yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Um, for those that don't know, Conrad uh, is uh, founder of a company called Publicize, which we're going to talk about. Um, used to be, was a writer at VentureBeat. Uh, now is also a co-founder of uh, the Columbia Reports, which is uh, South America's largest English news site, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Is this all correct? Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm, it's the co-owner though, I'm not the co-founder. Cool, co-owner. But everything else is perfect. Excellent, beautiful. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about all things publicity and startup and PR. It's going to be a fabulous episode. And as usual, there is a competition and Conrad has very kindly uh, sponsored a prize which is a publicized PR service. Now this thing is valued at $399 for a month and Conrad is 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 sponsoring that as a prize. Uh, it uh, basically well, I'll tell you what, Conrad, why don't you tell us about the prize? Why don't you tell us what's involved? <laughs> um, well, the idea was traditionally PR firms, if you wanted to get on sites like a TechCrunch, et cetera, they would charge in Silicon Valley, New York, about $10,000 a month for a six-month retainer. And the thought I had was, could we take that, that essentially that service, but as opposed to charging $10,000 a month, basically make it as effectively as possible and reduce the price to, to $399, essentially uh, make it much more efficient and effective and pass the savings onto onto startups. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit more about that throughout the episode because I, I'm kind of fascinated with how startups work out a way to optimize their internal processes in order to disrupt an existing model. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So that's the prize. Um, Stick around for details. Later on in this episode, we're going to give you information on how you can enter the draw to win that awesome prize, the publicized PR service valued at $399. All right. So, Conrad, before we start talking about startups and web and the tech space and all that kind of groovy stuff, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was a child, I was, I was thinking about this. I actually think I wanted to be a teacher um, when, I was, when I was very young. Yeah. Very noble. That's what I to be. Did, you, did, you, did you end up teaching anything at all? Um, I, I didn't. I read, really was right in university. Uh, um, I got involved with, with kind of the startup scene. And as I was graduating, I, I raised funding for my first startup. It was in Northern California. And uh, that kind of put me on that path. Wow. 
Cool. When did, at what point did you discover the web and, and say, hmm, there's something in this. I think this is an idea that's going to be around for a while. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I was actually uh, probably like the beginning of, of high school when I really started uh, getting involved more. Um, uh, just because I saw friends kind of browsing the web and visiting sites like, remember like ESPN like way back in the day. Uh-huh. And uh, that, that was probably when I first started getting more involved. So when did you think, you know, when did you think, okay, this is something that we can make a business out of or a career out of? Because it's a, it's a, it's a fairly new, I mean, the internet really is only, what, this, this version of it's really only 15, 20 years old. It's kind of a whole new industry and a whole new ecosystem that's grown up around it. When did you yeah. realize that you could actually make a sustainable, profitable future out of this? I mean, I was really lucky because I attended university in, in Northern California and a lot of my professors, I, I always mentioned, I, I grew up on the East Coast outside New York. And if I told my friends uh, in, uh, in New York or in Connecticut, um, you know, I want to build a $100 million company, they'd say, you know, yeah, right, Connor, good luck with that. <laughs> but if I, told, if, if I said the same thing in Silicon Valley, my friends would say, oh, well, actually, my uncle or my, uh, you know, my neighbor's friend did the same exact thing. Do you want me an introduction? And... Um, so when you're around all these people who've had a ton of success, I remember talking to a, a, a faculty member who was an advisor to a, a, a Al Gore. She's very successful. And I was like, you know, I want to build a, million, a $1 million company. And she was like, well, why just $1 million? If you're going to put that much effort, you might as well go for a $100 million company. And so uh, I, I think you kind of get drawn to the web because it's, it's so – I mean, if you're going to build a $100 million company, it, it almost uh, – in many cases, it has to be web-based uh, mm. for a startup. Mm. It's funny, I, I only spent like a week in San Francisco a couple of years ago traveling through and I went to a couple of um, hacker news meetups and uh, just kind of tried to immerse myself in the culture. I've got a couple of buddies who live in San Francisco and they're all saying the same thing. Like if you, if you kind of talk about wanting to build a $10 million company, people just ignore you. They're like, yeah. ah, whatever, we don't even bother with that. They don't even pay you attention. If you start, if you start talking about building a $100 million company, that's kind of the ambition that you need to have to start playing in that playground, isn't it? No, I, I think absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the first thing you did on the web? What was the first, the first venture that you had on the web? Um, let me see. So I was, I was playing around with a lot of ideas in university. I think the, uh, the very first idea I had that actually didn't come into fruition was um, uh, basically uh, a lot of students, when they were going to be purchasing books, either, um, either purchase it in their local bookstore, the university bookstore, which is very expensive, or they buy it online, which is degrees less expensive, but very few people do that. So the idea was to essentially create in, uh, some type of platform online where basically um, I would buy the books online. And it would basically guarantee that they would get 50% off and I would keep the savings. Um, uh, that, that didn't end up taking uh, – I didn't end up pursuing that. I think my first venture was basically looking at a student newspaper, realizing that a huge part of a student's identity is the university they attend, and try to create essentially a next-generation student newspaper. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, that, that, that's what I ended up pursuing after graduation. Cool. Um, how do you describe when you meet someone for the first time now? Because you've got, it kind of sounds like you've got your finger in a lot of different pies, which we'll talk about in more detail. But when you meet someone for the first time and they say, hey, Conrad, what do you do? How do you describe that in one sentence? What's your, what's your elevator pitch? I still don't have an answer for that, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, um, uh, apparently, I, yeah, yeah, I really don't. Um, Usually, yeah, I, I wish I had an answer. I'm just kind of right. surprised I don't at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just say I'm an, in, I'm an internet entrepreneur or? 
Yeah, usually I say something like I'm uh, uh, an entrepreneur, and I usually work at the intersection of technology and media. Ah, cool. Nice. Uh, it's kind of vague enough to be intriguing. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I want to know more about that. I mean, this is one of the things I've learned about having a good elevator pitch is it should be intriguing enough that the person says, tell me more about that, because then you can start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just no, say, so- you know... I'm a web designer. Well, that's it. The conversation's over, isn't it? I mean, there's not. I mean, I know what that is. That's not intriguing at all. It's just like saying you're an accountant. Oh yeah, you know, fascinating. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, you know, I think I've been lucky too because even today I still will guest write for different publications. So when I do do go to a conference, uh, let's say, I actually think this is fantastic for anyone who enjoys writing because uh, if if. You know, I I attended, for example, a Lean Startup Conference in San Francisco, and I was guest writing for VentureBeat. Mm. And of course, you get you know free pass, and you get like entry to meet whoever you want. Um, and uh, that that always kind of helps, just because you can say like oh, I'm guest writer for VentureBeat in addition to these other things. Definitely, I absolutely agree that publishing some kind of media in some format, whether it's guest writing, whether it's publishing a podcast, whether it's you know, any yeah. kind of media publishing does open doors and allows you to connect with people that you otherwise wouldn't be connected with. I mean, I, you know, I've just met you five minutes ago and here we are chatting on a podcast because, you know, we reached out and found each other somehow. Now, if I wasn't publishing this media, this conversation would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, when I, if you look at startups, what almost all entrepreneurs need is, you know, either capital or, um, or really media and access. And I think, uh, yeah, it just provides a great way to kind of add value to people. Mm. What's the, uh, what, what, what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Now it's, 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 the company for Publicize is going through this kind of transitionary phase where uh, I, um, the, I guess the idea, we kind of pivoted to Publicize in March, so about six months ago. We grew from about three people to now about 12, 13 today, and, uh, and kind of growth, the trajectory is really increasing. So it's it's kind of this weird, this strange transition where as opposed to being really involved with the work, most of my time is spent kind of managing processes, recruiting team members, kind of building this kind of company culture, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, which is kind of interesting just because I'm, I was so used to being, you know, having my hands on with everything. Yeah. yeah. Are you enjoying the, I, I kind of feel like building a company is like getting Lego blocks and putting them together and seeing what you can build and making sure it doesn't fall over. Are you enjoying doing that more so than actually being on the tool, so to speak? Uh, I, I do. But I think what I love about it is that, uh, you know, I, I concentrate best at night. So a lot of times at night, I think about like some great, cool, like really exciting ideas to work on. And I have this kind of like Google Doc, which I just update every, every week. And uh, one of the great things about seeing your company grow is that you have these additional resources, manpower to really make them happen. So even, you know, back in the day, I'd look at even this, even just today, um, I look at this kind of list of to-do lists and think, you know, I'm never going to be able to get to all of them. And then as opposed to that, I could just say, okay, well, this one, I'm going to delegate it to this team member, this one, et cetera. Yeah. So you can, you know, you see that like you're able to, to literally do 10 times as much, which, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Um... I, I think as, in some ways, I envy the members of the team because I remember back in the day when uh, I just had to care for myself and, uh, uh, you know, you could kind of, uh, it's like, oh, I want to, uh, you know, travel and do et cetera. You just have to worry that you can pay rent type of thing. Yeah. And uh, you see as the company gets bigger, you know, that, you know, you have that responsibility. 
Yeah, so, yeah. So that keeps me up. Uh, what do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you chill out? How do you kind of keep your head from exploding? Yeah, I, a couple things. Um, uh, I've, I've tried to be involved with as much fitness as possible. So uh, going to the gym every day. Um, it's kind of like a, a, the one I attend is somewhat similar to a CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been taking uh, jujitsu, salsa classes as well, um, cool. and uh, Spanish lessons. Cool. Uh, so yeah, between those four uh, and, and reading as well. Uh, I'm located in a pretty central location in Medellin and, and seeing friends at night. Um, yeah, it keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. The fitness thing's really common with entrepreneurs. Most people I talk to on the podcast, they say that when they're not working, they go for a run or they go hiking or they go to the gym or they go cycling. It's a really, do you think it's because we spend so much of our days in our head as entrepreneurs that when yeah. we're not doing this, we just need to go and get back into our bodies and have a completely different yeah. experience? Uh, well, I think, uh, well, I think two reasons. The, the first for me personally is that um, uh, I, I just think it's very therapeutic, um, especially going for a jog. Um, you can really clear, clear your head. It allows you to, mm. to focus. And I actually think it reminds me of a quote that I, Richard Branson had. It said, like, what advice do you have to be more productive? And I think he said something like, make sure to spend half an hour exercising every day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I think the second reason, which probably is sad, but I think true for a lot of people, is that entrepreneurs tend to be uh, kind of workaholics, which meaning that they want to be very productive. And, uh, and when you go f- exercise, I think people still feel like they're being productive, even <laughs> though it's not necessarily for work. So it kind of doesn't uh, go against this kind of workaholic attitude. Maybe this so is that, why. <laughs> maybe this is why I just I just have so much trouble with the idea of meditating. I love the idea of meditating, but I just cannot commit myself to do it because I feel like I'm wasting time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've tried re- meditating. That's probably the next thing I want to get in more involved with. In. I just found, uh, actually, not just meditating. Usually, I try doing yoga. Yeah. The hour long classes tend to be just a little too long for me. Yeah. The, um, I'm going to put a, a link to that Richard Branson quote in the show notes. I think, I think the quote is, if you had an extra four hours a day, what would you do? And he said, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? Um, that's, that's a hard to answer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There isn't anything right now. I think the biggest challenge that I think all, uh, well, I think anyone who's transitioning from a consultancy to rather more of a a product focused company is, um, trying to integrate more software to, to create a more efficient process. Mm. And, uh, I think that's something we've been continually doing these past few weeks and, and that'll, that's a big goal for us. Um, there, there isn't anything right, right now. Yeah. How do you know when, when you talk about integrating software, uh, you're talking about using third-party, third-party apps to improve processes internally. Um, well, that, but rather that, um, our goal with Publicize is, is to create essentially a hundred million dollar company. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we talked about it before. Um, so to do that, it has to be very, very scalable, and uh, um, and it's a challenge for this specific industry because there's always going to be some type of services, and there's always going to be ways to make it more efficient as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's kind of trying to fa- find that right balance to make it kind of basically continue making the process much more efficient and effective so that we can just continue lowering the cost basically. So we first, yeah. 
So how do you do this? Because I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with this stuff. One of the things, one of my kind of mantras is the way to build a successful business is to work out the value you add to a customer, price yeah. it accordingly so that it makes sense for the market, and then optimize your processes internally so that you can deliver that value at a profit. How do you, yeah. how do you know which, like first of all, how do you identify which processes can be optimized or automated through technology or systems? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think uh, for ourselves, um, it just has to do with like kind of internal questions. You, at any person as kind of the founder, like uh, you have to be really product focused, product obsessed, uh, and kind of map out exact, basically every step of of the user experience, and then keep asking yourself, okay, well, well, is this step necessary first and foremost? And if not, and if it is necessary, can we make it more efficient? And what, like, what can we do? Um, kind of what can we do better, basically? Um, so, so that's how we we approach it. And and how do you kind of? Because one of the things one of the things that I struggle with, and I know a lot of our members struggle with, is that, like the list of things that we can improve in our business is so long. Mm-hmm. How do you know which one is the most valuable to work on? If you've got limited resources, like I mean, and you, yeah. ha- I mean, you have you've got a small team. How do you go? Well, you know, th- these are the top three yeah. things that we need to start working on and start optimizing. Um, well, I, I think, uh, yeah, cause we, uh, we definitely been going that even though, even through this past few days, um, uh, I think you can kind of figure out uh, once you get a company, once you get your kind of product online or service, what like the true value out of it is. And like, whatever that is, you should really allocate, I would argue, you know, 80% of your attention and resources to bettering that and then kind of keep the 20% and make sure to kind of innovate in these other areas. But, um, I, I think it is really important to not like lose focus on like the core areas that you're ad- adding value on, which which I think is really easy to do. Mm. Now, you let's talk about publicize a little bit. You worked at VentureBeat. Mm-hmm. You obviously identified a gap in the market, or you identified an opportunity to uh, to make an offering to a whole bunch of startups that weren't at that level where they could afford to pay a ten thousand dollar a month retainer. How did you know that? How did you know that this was an idea worth pursuing? That you were going to put some resources into this? Yeah. Um, well, I think I, I kind of approached it uniquely because I'd written for VentureBeat, but I'd also like founded my own startup. So I was kind of building. I still really build the product for myself today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think the idea was that you know it's traditionally you know there are thousands of new startups and entrepreneurs emerging every uh, really every day, every week around the world. And uh, across all industries, so not just not just technology, but also whether it's uh, whether it's healthcare, whether it's music, et cetera. And there's only been this large industry, you know, let's say five to ten thousand dollar PR firms that service these. But but I, I, the good thing about PR is I think people inherently it doesn't matter what industry you are understand that they should have PR. Like even if you talk to a dentist who doesn't even know about the internet and knows nothing about SEO, they inherently know that they need PR. Mm. Um, so the idea was to essentially. Uh, you know, create this kind of democratize the solution to all you know, all companies basically, um, uh, and that, that that was really you know I just I, I believed in it because I felt like I I needed it myself, um, and uh, yeah that that's really how I, I approached sorry sorry um, I approached it somewhat differently because I, I feel like most I, and I would say a philosophy of Silicon Valley was that you really need to be ten times better than anyone else, mm. and I and I think. There are a lot of people um, uh, who say, like, okay, well, you know, we're we're going to be we're going to create this service or product, and 
we're, there's this other company, but we're a little different because we do X, Y, Z. And so they're maybe 20, 25% better. But I think with publicized, I kept wanting to push it to the limit to say like, okay, well, if these other companies are charging $10,000, like we could charge $1,000 a month. But like, would that be like 50, 100 times better than everyone else? I want it to be so great. Like, three, like 399 to me is, is so much uh, less expensive that a lot of the clients that, especially when we're starting off, said like, hey, I know you guys are just starting off, but it's so much better than anything else I've seen. I would pay 399 a month just to try it. Mm. So I, I think that, that to me, if, if you're able to create and make it like at least profitable enough um, to like really extend yourself to say, like, how can I create something that's almost too good to be true? And it, there's a, this sounds like, I mean, I'm curious as to how you scale this, and maybe you don't know yet, yeah. but because mm-hmm. it sounds like there's quite a lot of, I'm just reading like what's included yeah. in this yeah, package, yeah. right? There's a lot of hands-on <laughs> work. Yeah. So, well, so yeah. tell me. Like, That's the thing. I mean, it might help if a little bit if I just break down the PR process in general for any startup team. Absolutely. Even, even, even if they don't like work with publicize, this is what I recommend for anyone. Um, so I guess the first just kind of a little backstory. When I was writing for VentureBeat in New York, I'd have a lot of friends come to me and they would say, uh, Conrad, I know you write for VentureBeat. Can you write about my company? I'd say, you know, you're my friend. Uh, I'm happy to write about it. What do you have to announce? And they would say, well, I don't have anything to announce. <laughs> and I would say, well, then I don't have, I can't write a story because there's no news. Yeah. So the, the very first thing to, when anyone approaches the media is to remember that you have to have some type of news announcement to make. Because yeah. that's what the story's about. Um, and a lot, the next question most people have is, okay, well, what... Um, uh, what uh, what announcement can I make? And traditionally with the startup life cycle, they actually all follow, in general, kind of a similar story announcement. The very first one is they launch the company. Um, oftentimes, let's say 10 to 12 weeks later, you might hit a milestone. Maybe you hit 1,000 users for your mobile app, whatever it is, mm-hmm. some type of milestone. Uh, 10 to 12 weeks later, you might raise a small angel round of funding, maybe $75,000. 10 to 12 weeks later, you might launch a product. Maybe it's a mobile app, maybe it's Android. 10 to 12 weeks later, you might raise uh, uh, 500000 in funding for a venture capital firm. So your goal for with PR is basically at each of these milestones, and it obviously continues on after, is to try to pub- get as much publicity for each of them as much as possible. Mm. So maybe the first time you launch, you try to get on TechCrunch. Maybe when you uh, raise a small angel round, you try to get on VentureBeat. Um, and over time, all of this compounds. I actually think one of the biggest benefits to PR that people don't talk about is, is SEO. I think it's kind of the secret weapon for SEO because if you have you know, these PageRank 8, PageRank you know, uh, 7 sites leaking to you, you're going to see this huge boost in, uh, I think, in your PageRank and your overall search traffic as well. Um, so uh, what I'd always recommend to people is you can actually like, plan out, strategize the upcoming year to say, like, okay, well, you know, my company's about to launch a mobile app in three months. Okay, well, let me begin to... Uh, like I, now I know that when I reach out to media, I won't email a tech crunch to say, will you cover my company? What I would do is I would say, my company is about to launch my mobile app. Would you be interested in covering this specific announcement? And, uh, and I think you're going to see the reaction. The, they're going to change their opinion about it a lot just by the way you approach it. Um, sorry, I can continue with a couple of things more that I really recommend. Please do, man. I'm just making so, a bunch of notes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the next thing people then say is, okay, well, what... How do you communicate to a journalist? And mo- most announcements are communicated through journalists through a press release. It sounds like some type of fancy document. It's really not. Just information formatted in a specific way that's meant for journalists to read and pull information from. Yeah. Um, 
I think I, I have an example press release I'm happy to send, but even if you Google search example press release, you can kind of get a sense of what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, there's, a bunch, of, there's a bunch of examples on the publicized website here too, example press releases for yeah. Wheelos that TechCrunch covered, Zootroc that VentureBeat covered. Yeah. yeah. The, um, uh, the, the next thing I always recommend, especially for, I would recommend this for anything earlier than a Series A financing, which tends to be, let's say, one and a half, two million, um, is to offer an exclusive. So what, what most, let's say you email TechCrunch and you say, hey, next Wednesday, we're about to launch our mobile app. Um, would you like to cover the story? They know that if you email TechCrunch, you're probably emailing 50, you know, 20 other publications for the same reason, right? And uh, it's not, uh, journal, the way publications compete with one another is the ones, the strongest ones break the most stories. So what I recommend is when you email TechCrunch, you should say, um, hi, would you be interested in an exclusive? which means that they have first right to publish the story. And they'd be much likely, more likely to cover and be interested in it because of that. So daily what's going to happen is you're going to email uh, uh, TechCrunch or VentureBeat, any of these publications. All of them read their tips at TechCrunch and VentureBeat emails. I've actually also created a, spent some time putting together a free email list on publicized websites. So you can email, uh, whether it's like Anthony Ha or Sarah Perez, it has their emails. Um, and... Um, uh, Offering them the exclusive. Ideally, what's going to happen is they publish the story, let's say, in two weeks, you know, a week, two weeks' time. And immediately after, you're going to further coverage with other publications. Um, and I think PR is a little different from, uh, from many other forms of marketing because, uh, for example, if you're focusing on social media, I think a key to that, in my point of view, is consistency. So you probably don't want to post like once every three months on Facebook. Um, but with PR, it's a little different because you're going to have this shorter time period where you, you kind of have to be hyper-focused uh, on, on coverage, but then right after you can kind of pause a little bit into your next announcement as well. So there's a lot of, you know, this is, this is awesome, by the way. I could listen to this for, because <laughs> PR is something that we've never really done because we haven't really known how to. And mm -hmm. I think because a lot of, you know, a lot of small business don't really understand that they have newsworthy content in their organization, which we'll talk more about in a moment. But um, yeah. There's a lot of, I think the myth is that reporters, and I used to play in bands when I was in my 20s, so we would always trying to get, back then we were always trying to get press releases into the local media to promote our gigs, right? Yeah. Which is basically thinly disguised advertising. And it all came down to, back in those days, it all came down to who you knew and the relationship that you had with those reporters in those music publications. And I think the myth today, and we were talking about this before the interview off camera, that the myth today is that, the only way you're going to get covered is if you if you know these people personally and you're out whining and dining them and schmoozing them and networking. And you were saying that that's actually not the case. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think it's absolutely not the case. But two two things I sorry that I forgot about the pitch that I really recommend are um, making the story sound as large as possible, and the second is social proof. Wow. So with making the story sound as large as possible, um, uh, I always tell people when you're working on a startup, a lot of times when they pitch the company, they pitch it as it is like today. And that's actually not that particularly interesting. What, yeah. what, what is really interesting is where you want to take the company, let's say, in five years. So you know when like, you're thinking about your own company and like, you're daydreaming or you're about to go to the gym, uh, you're in the gym, and you're, like, you know, you're thinking, like, wow, my company in like, five years, three years is going to have like, you know, 100 employees. It's going to be like, you know, taking over the world, right? So that's what you really want to focus on in, in when you communicate to a journalist about where you want to take the company. And, and I can actually give an example. So like Espacio... I'm actually here right now in Medellin. Um, it's a co-working space. You can Google search Espacio Medellin and you'll see 
like I think it was like Financial Times, TechCrunch, BBC. We got kind of across the board. And if if I was going to write them, I wouldn't say like, "Hi, my name's Connor. I'm launching this co-working space. It has you know 35 desks, whatever it is, you know, fast internet." So that's not really that interesting. What I said was, "I'm launching this co-working space to help turn the city of Medellin into the Silicon Valley of Latin America." Actually, I think you can see that if you see the TechCrunch article. Mm, Silicon Valley that, of Latin America, yeah. And uh, that becomes really interesting because it ties it into this kind of bigger story, like the bigger mission of you know why why it is and I think across the board, when you talk to entrepreneurs, um, you know, they all have these plans where they want to take the company in a year or two, and that's what I'd focus on. And I'd say the other part is social proof, having one or two things that really make you stand out. So a lot of times, like, imagine you are writing for the New York Times, and someone wrote you and said, like, hi, my name's Tim, I'm a bootstrapped entrepreneur. You'd probably be like, well, that's nice, but there are 50 million other bootstrapped entrepreneurs, uh, so it doesn't really differentiate yourself. As opposed to, like, if I wrote you, even if I didn't even meet you, um, actually, even when I wrote to get on the podcast, I framed it like this. I would say, like, hi, my name is Connor Yusa. I'm a former venture beat writer. And, like, earlier I'd raised funding for a startup or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But uh, so immediately you can think, like, okay, well, I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. But, like, he has kind of, like, it, there's some, like, I do know the organizations he used to write for. So there's something there. Yep. And uh, I think a lot of common ones would be, for example, uh, universities attended um, uh, companies. So if it's former Google or former Facebook um, any awards one organization is a part of. Um, but there are a lot of people who would say, like, uh, um, they, let's say so, uh, someone says, well, you know, I didn't attend Harvard and I didn't work for Google. But there are these things that are interesting about each person. So mm-hmm. if you Google search a company called Safely Filed or safelyfiled.com, you can visit. Mm-hmm. Like this site, if you, if you saw this, you'd be like, you wouldn't imagine this getting on like um, VentureBeat and the next web. It, um, and, uh, and we, we, we got them on these sites. And uh, a lot of people would say, oh, well, Connor, you just got them on VentureBeat because um, uh, you know those writers. And I said, well, actually, when I wrote VentureBeat, I wrote it on behalf of the founder. So he knew about this. And he's a 60-year-old retired insurance executive in Chicago. He doesn't know any of these writers. But they covered the story because what was interesting about him was that he was six, over 60 years old. Mm. And that makes a really interesting story. Just like, And it's really funny because you talk to a lot of people who, and they'll say something like, I mean, only an, you know, an 18-year-old developer in Sydney, how am I going to get on TechCrunch? They're not going to care about me. And, I, and you think like, no, that, that is really interesting because every day uh, you know, they get 1,000 pitches, but they don't get many 18-year-olds pitching them. Yeah. So, so it's kind of finding that, those one or two things that make your, kind of make your story stand out. And is it, you know, is it also true that these organizations, these publications are actually looking for content? They are looking for newsworthy content to publish because they need to publish, yeah? I, absolutely. And traditionally what would happen is I, all um, these news publications have some type of newsroom, usually online, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the editor is running at the time would uh, find different stories. And let's say he'd, pitch, he'd post you know, 20 different stories and he'd say, okay, each of you can choose two articles if, if you want. And uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, if, if you're writing for the next web, would you rather um, just like look at an article that New York Times broke and kind of rewrite something similar? Um, or would you rather that like somebody individually reached out to you about like and offered you an exclusive on this interesting story mm. that like you can actually kind of build a relationship with that person? Mm. I, I think the, you know, the, because they, they do have to write a, a certain amount every day. I mean, it's just kind of the, the changing landscape of media. Mm. 
So um, thank you very much for sharing that with us because that's a, that's a fascinating insight into the world of PR. What, what do you think the main benefit is? So we've got, you know, a lot of our audience are WordPress consultants, but they're also dabbling with, you know, developing their own products, whether it be plugins or themes or SaaS solutions. What do you think the main benefit is of PR versus going down the traditional, you know, pay-per-click or banner advertising or affiliate marketing model? Yeah, so I think in the short term, um, actually other PR underperforms other other channels, um, and I think in the long term it greatly outseeds anything else. So, because um, uh, even if you get on TechCrunch, for example, let's say it might send you uh, two thousand visits. Um, uh, I mean, there are many other ways you can get more than two thousand visits to your site through other like Facebook advertising, etc. Mm. But what's interesting is like when Espacio got on TechCrunch, like even today. Uh, two years later, TechCrunch is the leading source of new traffic. To, so it's kind of this ongoing flow of traffic. Mm. Um, I think you, I, I mentioned before about SEO. I think just in terms of social proof and how things compound. So one of the reasons why uh, when like the New York Times came to Medellin, they, uh, I met them and we hosted an event was they were like, oh, I saw your article on TechCrunch and I reached out to you. Um, so there are kind of a lot of these, these benefits that are kind of hard to, you, you kind of have to wait, I'd say like, 12 to 18 months to look back to really determine the true value of it, uh, as opposed to looking in the first month and being like, okay, well, I got 2,000 visits for this TechCrunch, but like I could have gotten 2,000 visits, you know, just as easily by you know using targeted Facebook ads. It's funny you say that because what one of the biggest referrer for our website is another website called LearnDash. Now, LearnDash is basically a learning management system for WordPress, mm. and we use that. Um, we use that on some of our websites to deliver courses. What happened is I contributed to their forum. I contributed an idea for their plugin and I actually sent them some code, which they folded into their plugin. And the, and the owner of LearnDash discovered what we were doing and said, oh, hey, this is great. And now features us on their homepage as an example of someone using his product. They are by far and away the biggest referrer of visitors and customers to our program. And that didn't cost me anything. So that for me is kind of like a slightly, you know, weird version of PR. Yeah, and I, well, I think the, the great thing about PR too is that like I, people can get the press coverage they want like just doing the work by themselves. But, you know, they don't need to pay, uh, I, I really don't think they need to pay kind of a cent for anything else if, 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 like if, if they put in the time to, to do it, mm. which, which I think is great. Mm. So how do you take on, at, at $3.99 a month, how do you take on the $10,000 a month Big boys, like ha, what? Ha, yeah, tell me about that process. Well, because when, when it's funny when people always say like the key to actually publicize working wasn't necessarily making the process as efficient as possible for reaching out to the media. It was actually dealing with clients. Yeah. So, so that because uh, and and the reason why I mention it is that we know exactly what to do. So, like as an example, the way publicize works now is like the first week we create all the PR material. Aim to get it ninety percent the way there. Second week they fit the uh, finalize, we review it. The third week we we email, and fourth week for an exclusive. That actually in and of itself doesn't take very much time. Mm. Um, but what does take a lot of time is a client emailing you know every twenty four hours saying like, oh, I want to have another hour long phone call because because uh, they just haven't haven't been through it before. So actually, I, I'd say a big thing that we aim to do with Publicizer's website is to like not frame it as a service, but rather say like, this is essentially a product that you yeah. go through. And like, if you, if people aren't happy, like 
most PR firms aren't just ten thousand dollars a month. Most PR firms are six month have six month retainers, mm. so sixty thousand. So a big push we made for here is like it's month to month. If you're not happy, just cancel after one month. But like, don't don't go into this expecting a full service marketing firm because that's not what we are. Mm. Um, so and I think every day that's actually a big aim of mine to to say like, okay, well how how do we make it more clear to clients or prospective clients that like we are essentially a product more much more so than i would say a service yeah it's funny you mention that it, it rings true with with what we do with web design as well part i mean build you know designing and developing a website is actually not that difficult what's difficult is you know getting the client to sign off and getting the client to give you all the content and working with the client on their strategy that's the time consuming yeah. part that i'm always working out how we can optimize those processes and set and manage the client expectations through the journey because that's the stuff that eats into your profit. Actually designing and developing the product, that's not going to eat into your profit because we know what we're doing. Our technical chops are good. It's actually managing the client through the process that's the hard bit. What, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what processes do you, do you, how do you communicate with clients? Is it just on email? Um, well, right now, uh, well, I'd say what we're moving people more towards is actually using Zendesk, but right now it's primarily uh, my, my partner who, who deals with clients. Um, yeah, pr- like primarily through email, although I think we're, we're trying to experiment and integrate Zendesk a little more. So one of the things we do now is uh, new members actually uh, get, have client pages created, and the idea is that all the communication will go through there. Mm. So it makes it a little easier to, to handle. Yeah. And I, I think it was kind of a process of just like, every, like uh, to me, I talk to my partner. I just say, okay, well, every month, let's aim to reduce the amount of time you have to spend on customers by like ten percent. Mm. And like you know, four or five months down the road, it's like you, you know, you're really going to see a noticeable difference. Yeah. Uh, why Colombia? So I'd always wanted to travel and work for, I'd say, like about ten weeks in different cities. Um, I grew up outside New York, and I I did Miami first. I was living in New York at the time. I did Miami, and then I thought uh, uh, Colombia, Brazil, or um, or Japan because I was born in Tokyo, mm-hmm. and I, I I actually spent a lot of time in Europe, in South America, in Buenos Aires, in Mexico before. Mm. So I thought, uh, okay, you know what, Colombia, Brazil, it's closer. Uh, but you know, I, I, in, learning Spanish is really important in the U.S. So I thought, let me go to Colombia first, and then I kept uh, just coming back. I, I just really fell in love with the city, so that's how I ended up here. And so, so tell me a little bit about Espacio, which is a co-working space, but is now really becoming an incubator. Yeah. 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 I think the. Pospasio can host about 30 people, and right now, between our my own com- kind of portfolio companies, we have a, like about 26 people. So it, it may. I think our goal is essentially start with a co-working, transition to an incubator, and hopefully two or three years down the road, we'd we'd actually invest in some other companies as well. So it's just kind of a progression that that made sense. What's the startup? What's the startup space? The startup scene like in uh, in Colombia versus New York or Silicon Valley? I mean, it's 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 growing by kind of leaps and bounds, and, and the city is really transformed in a lot of ways. But um, it, it, you I, you know you couldn't compare it to you know San Francisco or, or I mean even New York is you know uh, it's it's amazing what, what's happened even in the past few years. And what kind of startups do you have in the in the space there? Are they all in the tech all in the tech industry? Yeah, I would say like ninety percent are. There are a couple of people who are involved in different industries, but. Uh, yeah, most, mostly in tech. It's doing stuff like uh, creating like a POS system for smaller restaurants. And, you know, uh, we haven't had a breakout success story yet, but, um, but uh, I mean, a lot of the companies are looking to raise, let's say, two, three hundred thousand in funding. And like when I first arrived here, there was nothing like that. Mm. And are investors 
looking to other parts like Colombia for potential, you know, for potential success stories? Is it hard to get investors to, to, to look into your, your market there? Um, so for, um, I think for the local, uh, you know, it, there, are, there are many more investors, although nothing compared to Silicon Valley in New York. So it, it still is a challenge, although it's, you know, as opposed to maybe there are two investors uh, uh, two years ago, there might be like six or seven. So it's much bigger, but still, uh, still not too many. Mm. Um, I, I think for like the international entrepreneurs, it's less because when I look for funding, I, I kind of tap into my network back there. And I also, my companies, I look as, I look to like international markets as opposed to a lot of the startups here are only focused on the local market. Cool. All right. Let's, um, I'm interested to get your take on uh, our elevation round from a PR point of view. I, I can imagine what some of your answers might already be, but uh, let's do yeah. the elevation round. For those that don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first business accelerator for WordPress consultants to help you run a successful business. So I'm going to ask uh, Conrad a series of quick questions here in our lightning round, and hopefully Conrad's going to give us some quick, mind-blowing answers off the top of your head. <laughs> no pressure, dude. <laughs> Uh, what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, I, I think the, they, they need to know that they should be the best in the world in a very, very specific vertical. Mm. Um, uh, that, that's what I, I think the biggest mistake I made in the past and uh, uh, I see happening is just people saying like, you know, oh, we're the best at like these 10 different areas. Like we offer social, you, you hear a lot of people, they say, I have a marketing firm and we offer social media, SEO, you know, SEM, all these different things. Um, and and, I, and even if you just target this small vertical, I think that market is more than big enough. I agree, absolutely. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? So I created this, my, my company spent 100 hours creating this free tech reporter contact list. It's right. actually unpublicized. Yeah. So most people, they're like, oh, I want to contact TechCrunch. How do I find all their emails? Or we, we collected all of them and gave it away for free. And we had some thought leaders like uh, Brad Feld, Steve Blank, Guy Kawasaki write about it. Um, they're all pretty big names in Silicon Valley. And um, uh, even today, that, that just is a huge source. Basically just creating these kind of free resources and uh, you know, seeing uh, you know, people finding it through search, et cetera. Good old-fashioned content marketing, hey? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Are yeah. all the, by the way, are all the tech reporters like really dark with you guys now because you publish their information online? Oh no! So I, I emailed every single one of them and said, uh, "I'm happy to remove your name if you, because uh, that's. I mean, every member of Publicize is essentially a former journalist, right. and and so our aim is to be like, I mean, as as friendly to the media as possible. Um, and uh, and actually, it's funny because essentially no one said no, and every and every about once a week we get journalists emailing us asking us to be put on the list, wow. which is funny. Wow. Because I think journalists in a lot of ways are like venture capitalists, like they need deal flow, yeah. basically. Those yeah. stories are deal flow, essentially. Yeah. How do you stop competing on price? Um, uh, that was a little... I, 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 it, I don't think my answer is going to be as applicable just because to me, my initial thought was like, well, I want to be 100 times better and, uh, and productize it. So I knew there had to, should be some sort of price point. Um, but I think it would probably go back to my other answer where, where like, if you're the very best in the world and like an expert in a specific area... I, to me, you can kind of charge however you, whatever you want. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it's kind of weird asking that question because your model is that you are like, you know, one twentieth of the yeah, price yeah. of everyone else doing this. But what's still interesting is that you can still, like, I had this conversation recently with, a, with one of our members who said, you know, 
I'm really happy building websites around the $1,500 mark. I don't want to be building the $10,000 websites. I said, that's cool, dude. If you can work out a way to build lots of $1,500 websites and still make a profit, then happy days. It's when you, it's when you get bogged down spending four weeks building a $1,500 website for a little local small business. That's when you're making no profit. So I still think you know, pricing, I think the more important conversation than pricing is actually profit. Yeah, yeah. No, I think absolutely. Mm. Um, any tips on writing better proposals? Um, I mean, I, my uh, sorry to keep going back to the other point, but like my the, I guess I I feel like if you if you aim to make your proposal just ten times better than anything else that anyone else would send, um, I think you're you're going to be leaps ahead of your competition. Uh, that'd be it's sorry really- to keep reading. No, it's mate, it's really good advice, man. I'm I'm glad yeah. that you keep reiterating that because, you know, um, <laughs> I'm just going to write here, make it better, which is, you know, pretty obvious. But how many proposals do you see that all kind of look and feel and smell and sound and taste the same, and they're not actually offering anything different to what anyone else is offering? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a favourite tool for CRM? Um, I love using. Sorry, say that again. Uh, I just, I just missed... uh, for for a, a high rise. Ah, uh, yeah. Should That's I just got an email from their new CEO this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Cause I was a little worried about where the was going to go. Yeah, just because after thirty seven signals. Yeah. Some interesting developments going on over there at thirty seven signals. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project on track? I, I would say the best way for me to keep a project on track is just to make sure you're very clear with. Uh, your expectations of a client and also that they're very clear what they should expect from you as well. Um, and I think just, just following that schedule as much as possible and, and being really open with communication. Yeah, great advice. Uh, any ideas for getting referrals? I, uh, right now, we're kind of implementing something where uh, clients can uh, receive a small discount for, for placing this kind of badge on their on the bottom of their website, which I think is going to be effective. Okay. So what's the what's the the yeah. ba- so it's just like a, a a publicized badge? Yeah. So yeah, what it is is um normally what we're gonna do is there's a, a small onboarding cost for people who who join and if they place the badge that they essentially won't have to pay that onboarding cost. Oh, cool. Um, nice. But um, but I, I think uh, you know the best way for uh, referrals is to do a great job and maybe standard email that you send three weeks after. Uh, maybe a project's done saying yeah. like, oh, if you know, companies who may be interested, we'd love to speak with them. I think yep. it's probably as effective as it gets. Yeah, perfect. And finally, final question of the Elevation Round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Um, I, I think, well, I actually probably PR is pretty effective for this, but I, that's too self-serving of an answer. <laughs> So, yeah, just, just really focusing and just like being relentlessly focusing on, on, on as narrow a niche as, as you can is, is the best way. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that kind of be the best at something really specific is great advice that you can apply to every part of the business. And if you are the best at something really specific, then, you know, the cream rises to the top. For Sorry to use a cliche, but being the best at something specific is, you know, Seth Godin once said, uh, you know, if you if you're gonna send me a generalist, send me the best generalist there is, mm-hmm. which is Absolutely. which I think is great advice. Um, all right, finally, just before we wrap up, what is the future for Publicize? Where do you think Publicize will be in the next twelve months? Oh, um, 
where I would like to publicize to be. I'd like to uh, probably go from uh, probably almost, a little more than double in size, maybe to, ideally, you know, close to 30 people. Just, uh, but I, I think uh, the biggest, the, the most exciting part about publicize, even more than like, seeing the team grow, is that you see, I talk about this with my partner a lot, um, like every month is literally the service value provided customers gets, I would say, 20% better. Because we add more things, we get more efficient, so we can like lower costs, create create a better service. So, uh, and it's really kind of exciting to see. Because like, if we just keep with that, I think you know, a year from now, uh, it'll uh, it's going to be really exciting with uh, the what we're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um... Cool. I'm very excited to see how it unfolds. And it's a nice segue actually into our competition. Of course, Conrad is uh, sponsoring a uh, publicize uh, service prize this month, which is th- valued at $399 for the month. Um, and he's sponsoring one month of that. So in order to enter this competition, what we thought might be interesting to do is f- for you to tell us, viewers and listeners out there, tell us underneath the video here, leave a comment and tell us, the number one challenge or the number one thing holding you back from using PR in your business. Now, it might be that you think that there's nothing newsworthy in your business. It might be that you don't know where to start. It might be that you don't feel like you have good relationships with journalists or people in the media. Whatever it is, tell us your number one, the number one reason that's holding you back from using PR as a way of promoting and marketing your business leave those comments underneath the video and i'll get conrad to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize sound good conrad that sounds perfect awesome um you know thank you so much for spending some time with us i know we've had some technical difficulties uh, this episode and i really appreciate you pers- persevering with us and uh spending some time with us on the podcast i certainly got a lot out of it i made a ton of notes which i'm going to share in the show notes and uh, i look forward to this one going live and i look for i wish you all the best for the future and look forward to seeing how uh, publicize evolves over the next 12 months or so finally who would you like me to try and interview and why hmm. Uh, the actually one person who comes to mind is David Kadavi. He wrote uh, a book called Design for Hackers. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and another person is Nicholas Reese, who uh, uh, I just think is just like an exceptional guy. I think I like Dave because I'm um, uh, just number, like, just deconstruct design to such an extent, which I think is great. What, sorry, what was Nathan's last name again? Oh, uh, oh, so it's uh, David, D-A-I-B, and then Kadavi, uh-huh. uh, K-A-D-A-B-Y, and, and I, in a lot of ways, he's he's become a good friend, and I look at what I'm doing with publicizing and kind of startup PR, just kind of deconstructing it as to the kind of core core element, and he just, he did, he has that same passion for, uh, uh, for, for I think, design, specifically for startups as well, and kind of explaining it. Cool. Um, but like... So David Kadabi and Nicholas Reese, I'm uh, coming yeah. to get you courtesy of, uh, of Conrad Agusa from Publicize. Keep your eyes on your inbox because I will be hitting you up for an interview on the podcast. Thank you very much for that, Conrad. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for spending some time with us on the podcast. I really appreciate it and uh, keep in touch. And I-, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. It was fantastic being here. Cheers. Thanks, Conrad. Bye for now. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast as much as I did. I certainly learnt a heck of a lot about PR from Conrad. Of course, this episode is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the plugin that puts over 60 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use the SEO by Yoast plugin, and how to use WooCommerce. 
you know all about it by now. You can turn all the videos on or off. You can choose which ones to show. You can add your own videos. You can put your own logo on it. It's completely white labeled. It's updated for every stable release of WordPress so you never have to worry about them, about your clients uh, having features that they don't know how to use. Uh, any new features we make new videos for, it's ridiculously good and you can get it for $1 for your first month. That is nuts, isn't it? Go to videousermanuals.com or wpelevation.com slash vum to see a video of the plugin in action. Okay, uh, subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe and you'll get some free stuff. I'm not sure what it is, but you either get a free report or a free webinar on content creation, one of those. Anyway, there's some cool stuff if you subscribe at wpelevation.com slash subscribe, and most importantly, you'll get an email every Thursday from us letting you know that a new episode has just been published, and you can come back and watch, listen, and learn. Please give us some five-star reviews at iTunes if you're enjoying the podcast. It really does help us come up in the search results and uh, reach a wider audience. Uh, You can visit the show notes and everything to do with this particular episode at wpelevation.com slash Conrad Egusa, C-O-N-R-A-D-E-G-U-S-A, all one word, all lowercase, no weird stuff. Uh, (laughs) No spaces or hyphens or underscores is what I meant to say. Leave the comments underneath this video to enter the competition to win a one-month publicized service package from Conrad. It's valued at $399 for that month. Uh, and could get you huge traction, could get you some great publicity if you've got a story worth telling, and they will help you develop that story. Uh, Leave your comment under the video and tell us the number one thing holding you back from going down the PR route and using PR in your business. Next week on the the, uh, podcast, it's episode number 52, and I'll be speaking with... uh, Tamaz Zaman, and I know I've pronounced his name wrong, and he will correct me, and I do apologize for that, Tamaz. Tamaz is from Codable.io, which is a curated marketplace of WordPress developers, so you guys can go and get your WordPress dev work done at a price point that makes sense with curated developers, uh, so you're not just opening it up to the Wild West like you are on Odesk or Elance. Uh, So check out Codable.io for all that information. I'll be interested to see how he's differentiating himself from the guys at Elto and Studio Invato. Uh, There are more and more of these things popping up all over the place. So that's next week on the podcast. I hope you can join me then. Until next time, go Elevate.